Third Shift presents The Imposter's Guide to Gaming, your quick fix for gaming news. Here are your hosts, Eric and Matt. Well, 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 boys and girls. Of course. It's episode 11 of IG2G, and with me as always is Mr. Matt. And hey, you know what? Today, do you like men who like to kill people? We got some Metal Gear Salad, maybe. <laughs> do you like building houses? Hey, Fortnite's your thing, man. That's what I'm talking about. Mm. Oh, what else? Hmm, Comic-Con? We might talk about that a little bit. A little bit. And a whole bunch more. So stay tuned, everybody, because here we go. Top 5 Releases First up this week, we got Yonder the Cloudcatcher Chronicles for PS4 and PC. This launched on the 18th of July, developed and published by Prideful Sloth, which I believe is a small five-person studio in Brisbane, Australia. You're a traveler who crash lands on an island that's covered in a purple miasma, so you're going around trying to figure out how to clear that out. This is a game with, like, no combat whatsoever, just a nice, peaceful, relaxing, you know, kind of cutesy, but also... Really visually beautiful game. So if you like exploring, if you like, you know, figuring out maybe a little bit of a mystery, helping out townspeople, befriending friendly animals, chill, relaxed game, good for kids, obviously. Or if you're just sick of shooting people in the face all day and this sounds like it's up your alley, go check it out. Like I said, it's out now for PS4 and PC. Another thing that's popping out the shelves this week is the new Nintendo 2DS XL. So apparently Nintendo went ahead and said, hey, the 3DS costing us a lot of money. A lot of people aren't digging the 3D features, so let's just get rid of it, make a more affordable handheld system for the people. It's going to be dropping for the mere price of $149.99 at all your local retail shops and online and all that other good stuff. So if you haven't had the chance or if you've been living in a hole and you don't have yourself a handheld console yet, you're going to need one because, as I talked about in a previous episode, Metroid 2, you know, The Return of Samus is coming back, being redone. You need to go pick up one because that game's going to be awesome, and it's one forty nine ninety nine. You know, if you ain't got the money to cop on the Switch, you can pick up this. one forty nine. you can go find that in a freaking couch somewhere, I'm sure, right? That's right. And if you guys want to know a lot more about the new 2DS XL, check out one of our earlier episodes. We had a whole big old breakdown on it. We sure did. Next up, we got Super Hot VR launching for the PS4 on the 21st of July. This, I believe, has been out on PC for a little while. Developed and published by the Super Hot team. If you guys don't know what Super Hot is, Super Hot, Super Hot, then you haven't been on YouTube or followed anything gaming related in many, many years. It's a really unique time-based shooter where time only moves when you move. So you're generally set up in a room against like five bad guys who all have guns. They shoot their guns as soon as they see you, but the bullets don't travel, or they travel, you know, very, very, very slowly unless you're moving actively. So you can like dodge and weave and dip and duck and dodge and dive all through all these bullets, whack people in the face, grab their gun, shoot them, move to the side, dodge that bullet while your bullet hits that guy, grab it up, all kinds of crazy frenetic action in this. And now it's in VR, so this is one of the things I think VR was totally made for, because if you're standing there and you see the bullets coming in at you super slow and you're whipping your head around, okay, there's that guy over there, there's a guy behind me, it sounds like the perfect match. So get your hands on super hot VR if you got some VR equipment. Hey, Matt, you know, are you a fan of squirting ink out of places? Hmm, no comments. No comments. <laughs> Perfect. Well, if you like shooting ink out of guns, then we've got the game for you. Or I should say Nintendo's got the game for you. That's Once right. again, this is a Switch title, boys and girls. We're talking about Splatoon 2. This is published and developed, of course, by Nintendo, and it released July 21st, 2017. 
This is a action freaking PvP set game. I would say it's only PvP, but they did include a whole new mode, the Salmon Run, in which you go ahead and team up with some fellow players, and you go ahead and run a horde mode, basically. As with Splatoon, the original, PvP is what everybody's, uh, of course, going for. You take the form of these little characters called Inklings, and in their humanoid form, they've got different kind of guns, which you can you know upgrade, change up, and you go around on these maps, and you have to shoot the enemy area and territories with the ink, try to take control of them. If you're running low, you go ahead and you go into your squid form, and then you can zoom through your own colored ink, pop up, you know, and get behind enemy lines, and try to win the map. Matches. It's a fun PvP game. It's Nintendo's, you know, call to arms for their their PvP scene. If that's something you guys are interested in, you have a Switch. Reviews all over the place seem to be pretty good for it right now. I personally don't have it yet, but uh, I've been looking at it. I've been pondering. We'll see. But if you want that, hey, go pick it up. It's everywhere right now. Last but not least, we've got Fortnite dropping for the Xbox One, PS4, PC, and Mac officially on the 25th of July, which is right when this episode comes out. This is also developed by People Can Fly and Epic Games, published by Epic Games, and distributed by Gearbox Software. So this has close ties into our other podcast, Third Shift. If you want to know all and all and all about it, go listen to Third Shift. But the basic gist of this is, hey, the world's gone crazy. There's monsters all over the place. You guys need to go and build shelters, kill monsters, rescue people. I've heard it described in a really loose format as Minecraft meets Left 4 Dead. If that piques your interest, go check out some trailers, go check out some gameplay, and uh, see if you're into that. And if you want to know more, listen to Third Shift, where Eric and I will be playing it and talking all about it. And then we'll roll into some topics for you guys. Number 5. Starting this off, we got a real quick down and dirty one. We've talked about this game before. It's been out for a thousand plus years now. It's Diablo 3. Quit talking about Diablo 3 and Destiny 2 and whoa, I already forgot the other one. Exactly. Oh, Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> Shut up, Eric. Shut up. Hey, these are games that just keep on giving, Matt. You know, that's true. they keep on giving. And that's why I play them and that's why I love them. So to hell with anybody else. Uh, I don't got no rules on this podcast, Matt. I do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. We don't have rules. We don't. <laughs> well, okay, new rules. Oh, no, no Diablo, no oh, Destiny, man. no Horizon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the 11th season, everybody, for Diablo 3 has begun on Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and PC. And I know, of course, some of you are going to be like, oh, 11th season for oh, the other consoles. Yeah, whatever. It's all combined into one. It's 11th season overall. We're rolling with it. We're going. If you don't know... Every season, you can get the option to start a character, and you have to if you want to participate. Start a character level one, nothing, all your things are gone from the previous season. You roll your character up, you get all your stuff, you have a great time, and while you're doing that, they have a new set every single season for every class. So you're collecting that gear, checking out the new specs, you know, everything on it. If you like it, don't like it, doesn't matter. And on top of that, at the end of every season, you'll earn new packs, new prizes, new little toys. So, for example, this particular season, you can earn an Emerald Dragon pet, pant and boot slots for the exclusive Conqueror set. And if you're like, what what the heck's the Conqueror set? Every single season, they release another piece for this special set that you can only get if you participate in every single season. So eventually, you're going to look like a complete bad man pajamba if you like that particular set and it's going to be a more rare set because well you had to participate in all the different seasons to get said set i think that's a really cool little incentive to keep everybody coming back every season at least long enough to get up to the max level get your little hoo 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 you participated they've also got a brand new series of portraits based off treasure goblins and of course treasure goblins are my favorite little creatures 
that makes me want to actually get in there. So I keep tapping on the button. And then while I'm tapping on that button, I'm like, well, I might as well just buy the new Necromancer stuff, which we talked about in a previous episode. If that sounds like something you're interested in. And also I will note that this is the very first season where the Necromancer is playable. So you're going to see all sorts of people back in this season. So if you just want to get back into something that's going to have a lot of people playing and a vibrant community, this would probably be the time to jump back in. Number four. Next up, we got Metal Gear's 30th anniversary, a series, again, as always, very near and dear to my heart. The original Metal Gear launched on the MSX in Japan on July 13th, 1987. I know you, Eric, said you had some memories of the original Nintendo game, so we're doing a little retrospective, a little favorite memories. Let's go back. Oh, my God. Oh, it's a little baby boy. It's like, hey, I like video games, Daddy. And my daddy said, here, play this game. And he put old Metal Gear in there. My only memory that I have of this, besides the difficulty of it, is my brother playing. And he got the first shot at it. And, of course, as you, if you've played this, you'll remember there's you start up and you're in the little jungle area and you got to get around everybody and you got to get into that like a little sewer thing. And he couldn't get even to the stupid sewer thing. He couldn't get there. And I remember him throwing the controller, and our wall was about four feet away from us on the left side. And he just took that thing, and he just chucked it, just chucked it at that wall. <laughs> and here's the best part, because this this is a testament to time right here. The wall broke. And the, the controller, controller did not. Didn't. Yep, there you yes. go. <laughs> that Nintendo controller was just a brick uh. it was so amazing and i remember my dad getting up and just start yelling and hollering and hooting and going bananas saying <laughs> we'll never play the games again uh. and me of course going it wasn't me it wasn't me it wasn't me <laughs> and of course i ended up getting to play the game a few days later and i'll just say i was able to get down in there and get in that little weird awkward camera view it has in that little area and and get through some of that and nice i have vague memories of actually getting farther but as you just said, this game is very, very old, mm-hmm. so I have like that photo memory of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that is literally the only Metal Gear Solid I've ever played in my life. Oh, my goodness. Now, I jumped into this series with Metal Gear Solid on the original PlayStation like most people did. This one was a random rental from Blockbuster. I think I was going in looking for something like Siphon Filter because everyone used to compare these two, and I have no idea why. Metal Gear Solid totally blew my mind. I don't think I had ever before seen a game as cinematic as that, with all the dramatic camera angles for all the different stuff happening. Such an in-depth story for what was an action game, basically. I've had hours and hours of story in RPGs up to that point before, but this wasn't an RPG. There's just mind-blowing all the characters were super memorable. I remember specifically over the course of a five-day rental, you know, having my buddy come over every single day and us just marathoning that game. A Psycho Mantis boss fight, put your controller on the floor. We were both like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing we've ever seen. Plug your controller into Controller 2 to stop him from reading your mind. The original's classic. If you don't have it, go get it somehow. Moving on to Metal Gear Solid 2, I'm pretty sure this is the game that sold me on the PlayStation 2 because I had to have the sequel to Metal Gear Solid. This one was kind of a eh to me. Like, the gameplay is fantastic. Still is. Holds up really well. Graphics amazing. Story, this is kind of where Metal Gear started falling apart for me. Jack and Rose and their little stupid love story. And then when you get to the end of the game and everything's twisting around. I have good memories of playing it. One of my favorite memories of this game is up on that ending cutscene and the ending boss fights. It was like an hour before I had to go take a chemistry final in college. And I was just like watching. I'm like, what is going on? I really want to like stop and process this, but I can't because I have to go eat dinner. And then I have to go take my final right now. So I'm sitting there in the final thinking about Metal Gear. 
good times there. Moving on to Metal Gear Solid 3, probably my favorite game in the entire series. I've said it before, one of my favorite stealth games of all time. This was the one that took away the Soliton radar, so you actually had to scope out where enemies were and watch their actual patrols like you actually would have to. And everyone would go, oh, it's so hard, we can't play it from the top-down angle. How are you supposed to see where the enemies are? Well, you play it like you would if you were in the situation. Get your knocks out. Hide in the bush. All right, he's over here. He's going to go here. Regular patrols running here. Tick, 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 tick. Uh, you, you, you know, the game's always lost me at the espionage, the spy stuff. I'm a running gunner, man. you got to have patience, man. <laughs> and that's that's what's, what's beautiful about this one is that you couldn't just go, okay, I'm seeing his little vision cone go from here to here and here and here and here. So I can just run through. You had to actually had to watch and scout out where they were. Favorite memories from this one? This is gonna sound really weird. You're probably gonna laugh at it, and I'm probably gonna laugh at it too. But I remember I bought it and was playing the game. Mom came downstairs once, and she was like, "Hey, what's that game you're playing?" And I was like, "Oh, it's Metal Gear Solid 3." She's like, "Oh, let me watch for a little bit. Running around in the jungle, sneaking around." She's like, "This is really cool. Tell me when you play this next time." So all over like a Thanksgiving week. I played this game with mom watching me over my shoulder. Not technically over my shoulder. Oh, and we watched it, and, you know, from start to finish, played through the game. It was awesome having that, you know, hey, here's somebody who's actually mm-hmm. reacting to it along with me, watching through this whole dramatic story. It was really awesome, really cool. Moving on to Metal Gear Solid 4. I didn't touch this game because it looked like more Metal Gear Solid 2 BS, so I watched somebody play through it on YouTube, and it was even worse than I could ever have imagined. The gameplay looks amazing, but the story, I think this was the one where they were like, oh, we're going to wrap it all up. We're going to tie up every single loose end. Every character came back, revealed some dirty secret, betrayed you, sided with you again, betrayed you again, and then died. I was watching it going, what is this? This is the kind of Metal Gear I don't like. Oh, my goodness. But gameplay looks solid. I've heard people, when I've said that about Metal Gear Solid 4, going, no, it's the best one in the whole series. The story's amazing, blah, 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 blah. So don't take my word for it, but that's just my retrospective memories of it. And then last but not least, Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain. I haven't finished it yet, but that's a testament more to how much fun the actual gameplay and side ops are than anything about the story being bad. Because anytime I load it up, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do a whole bunch of story missions. I'm going to finish it. And it'll be like, bloop, bloop, new side op. Go rescue this guy who's a prisoner. Okay, I'm going to go do that. I'm going to infiltrate this base. I'm going to pull the guy out. And then when I do that, it'll be like, oh, but there's another base over there. And, oh, there's a there's an A-plus or S-rank soldier in there. I can capture him and add him to my crew. Oh, man, I can slide down this hill, get on my horse, ride over here, grab these freaking materials, grab this, grab that. The moment-to-moment gameplay of that is so much fun, and it's so fast. All the other Metal Gear Solid games have been a little bit slow. This makes stealth gaming fast and fun. If you've never played Metal Gear Solid Five. I cannot recommend it highly enough. One last thing, I did find not too long ago, I was searching around for Easter eggs and stuff. There's a whole giant thread on NeoGAF of all the little hidden gems in that game, like all these random interactions you can have with guards. If you do a certain thing, the guards will see it and trigger a unique radio conversation with HQ. Oh, nice. You leave a cardboard box laying around. They know that you've been sneaking around in a cardboard box this whole time, but you're not in it. They'll be like, oh. HQ, this cardboard box over there. We'll go investigate. Oh, I don't know. I'm kind of scared. Well, <laughs> c- can I just shoot it? Are you sh- seriously asking me if you can shoot at a cardboard box? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Fine. Go shoot it. <sighs> it was nothing, sir. <sighs> That's beautiful. All these little unique gameplay scenarios you can make or conversations you can hear, they pack so much into these games that you're not necessarily going to see. 
but that you can if you trigger certain scenarios. Are you sure? Are you sure about this, Matt? Because all the, all I've ever seen on Metal Gear Solid Five is is the horse being like floated. You know, he floats away on a little parachute thing. I thought that's what the game was about. I thought you just attached parachute things to the objects and horses and other things and watched them float away. Well, I mean, you do if you want to get materials and horses and all this other cool stuff. You do it to soldiers. Knock them out, steal them. Now they're your soldiers. I just thought that was the game. There's actually a story? I mean, it's a story about attaching (laughs) balloons to men. This is actually a balloon fight prequel. You're like, look, balloons. Oh, they're setting the stage for the next game. Yes. In which you shoot the balloons down and get points for the different objects. Uh Uh-huh. Man, I knew the story was crazy. It's blowing my mind, dude. See, Hideo Kojima's a master of storytelling. He just weaves it in there. You didn't know it was a balloon fight yeah. prequel, but I oh. saw it. Pro tip from the pro mat. Here we go. I'm on board. But yeah, you can tell I'm a super fan of Metal Gear Solid, so I don't hold out too many high hopes for Metal Gear Solid Survive, which is the next one that's coming out that's not done with Hideo Kojima at all. I don't think anybody does, man. <laughs> Well, they shouldn't. It's a freaking zombie game in Metal Gear Solid Land. Why would you do that? What is the point of that? The Hideo Kojima Metal Gear Solid games, even even the bad ones, have good stuff to them. If you want some really twisty stories, nothing does it better than Metal Gear. I said it before, I can't imagine a gaming world without Metal Gear Solid in it because it's been such a big part of my gaming life. So props to you, Metal Gear. Congratulations on 30 awesome years. And... Good luck in the following years with Metal Gear Solid Survive and whatever Konami tries to throw out with the Metal Gear name on it. I'm hoping to get on board with him in the future, however. Mm. I missed out on the Metal Gear world, and I'm like, ah, at this point, it's too late for me. Yeah. But Death Stranding, oh, yeah. whenever that comes out in the next six, seven years, mm. I'm hoping to jump on board and you know, float on down the ship that's Death Stranding and whatever continuations he has after that of that. He's another one of those creators, just like David Cage, who I've mentioned before. There are flaws to what he makes, but he makes things that nobody else makes. Anything Hideo Kojima touches, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be all over it. And, hey, IG2G will be all over it, too. Number three. So after, like, 40 minutes of me talking about Metal Gear, what do you got, Eric? Destiny's beta. (laughs) Fuck you, (laughs) Destiny. <laughs> so I've been with this game for quite some time, and we've talked already about it on previous shows, but the beta came and went. I played a whole bunch of it, got all the weapons, you know, got all the armor that they gave. And, and let me just give you guys a brief little hoo-ha. If you didn't get in there and play it, it was good. It was good. I am a little worried about some of the weapon balancing. I feel that some of the weapons don't have the kick it should because the enemies were able to just survive quite a bit. Maybe they're just giving you scrub weapons. Plus it is still the beta. And they've already stated in a comment just yesterday, I think it was, or a couple days ago, everything we're playing in the beta or played in the beta has already been addressed, changed, tons of stuff has already been fixed. And so... That's, what, every, that's like... what everybody says. Here, have this cake. It tastes like poop. Well, I've already fixed it for next time. I promise. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. and that's what... That is exactly what they said. It was, hey, we're giving this beta, but we couldn't actually change any things we already changed. So just letting you know that three months ago, we already fixed a lot of the stuff you guys are now telling us about. It's standard practice. That is true. You do have to have all those steps in the approval process when you're actually working Mm -hmm. on the active game. I get what you're saying. But from what I hear, they are adjusting enemies a little bit because in the beta, killing enemies became a pain in the butt in some instances. But in PvP... 
I want to say it was awesome. Nice. I felt real good in the PvP with all the weapons. Auto rifles seemed to be top. It was a lot of fun. It felt good. The 4v4 switch up I liked. I didn't think I was going to. I think I mentioned that in the previous IG2G. Yeah. I thought, you know, 6 was just a lot of fun and you didn't feel so responsible that if you were, you know, not playing well or whatever that you were the individual <laughs> losing for the team. Right, right. So I was worried about that, but the 4v4 just feels really nice. It feels like there's enough people on there that if everyone's at least trying, it's a solid game, but it's not so chaotic that every single time you move or turn around, someone is shooting you and you're just getting hit, dying, or you're killing them. I did go over and check out Countdown. They they classified this one as the more intense PvP. In this mode, you can resurrect your teammates, but like only once, and it's on like timers and all this other stuff. Okay. So you really had to get in there. Either A, if you were on attack, you had to set the charges, or if you're on defense, you had to defend the charges and don't let the enemy, of course, take them out. So kind of like Counter-Strike. Exactly like Counter-Strike, yes. This one's going to be one of those modes where you're like, our team's here, let's go play. Yeah, definitely. Otherwise, I'm going to stay away from it for the most part. And several of the rando groups I got in, they would just not res me. The problem is these matches go by really fast so what res you get you're going to want to just use in my opinion anyway because it's going to be over in a few more seconds anyway because once you get a three four advantage well guess what yeah chances are it's going to be a two four advantage in a second and then a one four and then a zero four Mm -hmm. it's unlikely that the tides are going to change unless you're really good just resurrect individual if you have the opportunity to and try to move forward with you know all your players intact. With teams, that one was a lot of fun, but on my own, I was like, eh, no, nah, I'll just uh, stick to standard control because that felt real good. And then, of course, the mission was really, really fun. Well put together. They've added a lot more terrain problems. Like, for example, they had these drill bits going around and around and around, and, of course, you had to get in under there, take the path up. They had individuals trying to like blow you up and off, and if you jump too high, the drill bit would come around and hit you. So you had to get through that. The boss had like three different stages that you fought him on and each time the floor would give way and go to the next stage and then the floor would give way and go to the next stage nice and he had different you know, modes he went in that felt real good i appreciated you know that they're incorporating more rpg-ish platform and kind of elements things like that to the game the only thing that's bugging me right now and once again it's probably all changed is the heavy ammo they don't call it heavy ammo anymore power weapons i think they're called now they don't give a lot of ammo for those I felt like it was like, hey, you get to bring this out once or twice during the entire mission. And this went for PvP as well. And I understand that more just because they don't want that overpowering the matches. So someone who's good just going in and wrecking house over and over and over getting all the power ammunition. So that one made sense. But in the mission, you're there to have fun. You're there to be a hero. I could see it either way, though, because you don't want people to just, hey, I just steamrolled through and I got all the good gear and I I have everything and I didn't even try because all I did was just take my... Big rocket launcher and just. I completely understand that, but they have you know a nightfall mode that kind of thing. They have hard modes for these. But not everyone's going to play the hard mode, so you have to have some good loot in the normal modes. Otherwise, nobody's no. going to play normals. Hey, if you if you if you can't get a team, get yourself together, go do something cool like that. You don't deserve loot. Uh, come on, Arr. Eric. Come on. <laughs> yeah, why don't you go LFR and World of Warcraft again or something? I don't want it anymore. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't do it. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I mean, I get it. You do want to make things challenging. Yeah. But it's just, it sucks when you pull out your big, big dog weapon once or twice throughout an entire match. Yeah. You're going to end up primarily using the kinetic and energy weapons, which, of course, is 
probably by design, but I would like a little more in there. Just just a touch. And speaking of the others, the kinetic and the energy weapons, you can get scout rifles in the energy and kinetic slots. You can get all the all the different primaries in those two slots. The energy side of it has, of course, the fire, lightning, and the void damage, whereas up in the kinetic, it's just, just bullets. You can have two scout rifles if that's your jam. I like that change. I think that's awesome. Because I didn't like being forced to have a fusion rifle in one slot and a hand cannon or a scout rifle in the other slot. So I'm a fan of the new system. Gives you a lot more versatility. Lastly, we did the farm. I was disappointed, to be quite frank, because they didn't have any of the uh, NPCs in there. The preview you saw from IGN, I think it was, had uh, a couple of the you know NPCs and the chickens running around. And that's what I'm most sad about. I wanted to play with the chicken. Well, of course. And the chicken wasn't there. <laughs> I was looking forward to just checking them out, you know, looking at the character models, maybe see if we can glean any hints or clues off of who's there. Nope. None of that. I played a few rounds of soccer. I enjoyed that, especially at the very end. We had like a six-on-six match going. Hmm, nice. Visually, the social space is very nice. A lot of cubby holes, a lot of little nooks and crannies where I think they'll have all sorts of fun things, maybe characters. There's a there's a little cellar, in fact. It goes down into pure darkness. And I'm like, oh, okay, Eris Morn is obviously going to be standing in this little hole here because that's just perfect. You know, stick her in the basement where nobody can see her unless they want to see her because she's a hideous freak. It's going to be awesome. So overall, I came out optimistic with the uh, beta. I wished and hoped that they were going to do like a super secret mission at the very end, similar to what they did back in the Destiny 1 beta, but they didn't. They they literally did what they said they were going to do and have the farm available for one hour, and besides that, that was the end of it. But what they did have was good, it was fun, and it did make me look forward to playing, obviously, Destiny 2, which now I have to wait another month. So unless they release anything crazy in between then, you guys get about a month rest before i talk about it again now in two weeks you'll be like hey here's a preview of a character model they showed he has red on and red in destiny 2 <laughs> means blah 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 blah, blah, blah. Po- possible possible <laughs> <laughs> only if it's really cool man only if it's really cool number two Next up, this one falls under the cool article I found on Kotaku. Looking around for stuff for the show, and I saw, hey, what are Japan's favorite role-playing games? Apparently, between June 22nd and June 28th, Famitsu, which is the obviously the big giant video game magazine in Japan, asked their readers for their favorite RPGs, and they released the top 20. So I'm going to buzz through it real quick, and then I'm going to ask two questions of you, my friend Eric, and we'll have a little bit of discussion on it. So we're going to move from 20 to number 1, Number 20, we got The Witcher 3, then we got Final Fantasy 8, Final Fantasy 9, Mother 2, which is Earthbound in the U.S., Final Fantasy 6, Dragon Quest 4, Persona 4 Golden for Vita, Xenogears, Final Fantasy 10, Xenoblade, Final Fantasy 15, Persona 3, Near Replicant, Suikoden 2, Dragon Quest 5, Final Fantasy 7, Near Automata, Chrono Trigger, Dragon Quest 3, and then in the number one slot, Persona 5. Now, my first question to you is, any surprises on that list? Anything you did not expect to see or stuff you thought would be higher? Any favorites on there that you want to talk about real quick? Anything? Oh, anything? God, that's anything? a loaded... You got all sorts of loaded questions. That's my said, first question said, is 16 say, different questions. questions. <laughs> that's, that's not even a question. <laughs> How about anything surprising on that list? Or if there's no big surprises, just uh, shout out anything. I do actually. I'm, I was surprised to see Xenogears. And oh, here's man. My, what? What? No, no. Listen to my reasoning. Okay. My reasoning behind this is because Xenogears is fantastic. 
mm-hmm. and it deserves to be on everybody's list. But if you go look through a ton of top ten lists you know, from American articles, it's never on there. Yeah. It's never there. That's fair. And yeah. I've always been like, what the hell? Where's Xenogears, man? That mm. that was a masterpiece of a video game. Oh, and yeah. it's never there. So to see it on here in Famitsu, I said, oh, that's nice. I like it. Yeah, so definitely. I feel I feel good seeing it at number thirteen spot, and I feel that's actually pretty accurate about where I'd put it if I had to do a top twenty. If I had to do my top twenty of all time, it'd probably be right around there, ten to thirteen. Yeah. Uh, beyond that, no, you see your Dragon Quests there, which I expect and mm. should be there because they love Dragon Quest. I do too, so yeah, I'm right there in that boat. And the Persona Five one, I don't know, I. Matt's going to ask me more about that particular choice, so we'll 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 stick away from that one for the moment. Uh-huh. Um, FF7, honestly, being number five and Near Automa being higher rated than that, mm. that one's confusing to me. Just because I I start to wonder if like maybe because it's fresh in people's minds mm. and they just played it, they are like, oh yeah, this is great. I think there is some of that. Because you you see that in a couple of the other ones too, but I know Nier Automata has like a different twist on the story, on the way it tells its stories, and like the motivations of the bad guys and stuff. I haven't mm-hmm. played it myself, but that's what I've been hearing. So maybe it's just that instead of hey, here's good guys and here's bad guys, and they fight and the good guys win, maybe that really stuck in people's heads mm-hmm. too. And then lastly, the big surprise here is seeing The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt up on this. That's what I was going to say too. Yeah. And that's crazy to me because. Western games, especially RPGs, mm-hmm. and it's in the top 20 for the Japanese market. Well, yeah. according to this survey, obviously. I mean, right, yeah. It's whoever answered. It's not it, like it still. is for sure, for sure. But whoever answered the survey, even for it to appear on the top 20, that's surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Because generally speaking, they don't. Uh, love western games as much as we of course love our own western games Mm. so i was going to agree with that and then i was thinking well if there was one western style rpg i had to play and i think it boils down to that one the number two for me would be uh, dragon age origins but still the whole world that the witcher 3 made every location is unique every not every town's person but every quest giver every quest line you get it's all unique it just fleshes out this world so well it's a huge world in which yeah you feel like you live in it you feel like you breathe in it yeah it's it's pretty much perfect so mm. i would agree with you that out of all of them that would be the number one i would think that they would enjoy the most mm-hmm. but i am kind of surprised because i would have thought that market would probably enjoy mass effects but apparently not i mean but I, you know i feel like Space, you know, you know, sci-fi shoot 'em ups, that kind of thing. Well, you don't see any uh, of the Star Ocean games on here either, and those are all sci-fi. No, you sure don't. So maybe it's just that's true, not as popular. I mean, Near Automata is—it's not really. I mean, it is sci-fi because there's robots and stuff, but it's more like dystopian Earth. Mm-hmm. Oh, and where's Breath of Fire three in that? No Breath of Fires, man. I, I actually, you know, one, what? two, three, four. None of them. We just gotta throw it out. There's no Breath of Fire in this. These people don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Garbage. <laughs> Breath of Fire 3, masterpiece. Now, see, if they didn't have Sweet Coden 2, I could agree that they don't know what they're talking about, but or one of my favorites he, is there. They, I know. I was going to say, you love Sikadin, mm. so you got your wish. But also, where's Wild Arms? Yeah. That game was awesome. Wild Arms 2 is pretty darn good, too, and the third one I didn't really like that much, but mm. the first two are awesome. Those aren't on there. Gosh, bless, Jam. Oh, man. I mean, compared to all the rest of these, would you would you put it up with? Uh, uh, would you put it in the top twenty, or would that be that's, just that's just where, outside? That's where things get bananas because sentiment, sentimental value is is important, 
And that's why, you know, I think maybe some of these rank where they do. Yeah. But it's all in the eye of the beholder. For me, Wild Arms is a huge history. So every time I think of RPGs, Wild Arms is on that mm. list. So for my own personal list, yeah, it'd be in the top 20. Okay. Not in top 10, though. Yeah. So I, I guess I forgive that one. But Breath of Fire 3, no. What the heck? <laughs> what the heck? That's what, See, and that's why it's never coming back out, because you know what? They can't get it on this top 20 list. They're never going to make another one. I'm doomed to just be sad the rest <laughs> of my life. Well, the what was it, number five that they did bombed so hard because it was that one where well, you had to die over garbage. and over and over again or yeah. something like that? And then they're doing this, they are doing another one, but it was all for mobile. Oh, well. So I stopped paying attention completely because I just don't play mobile games. Yeah. But, of course, I know what they were trying to do, capture, the once again, the Japanese market, who are huge into mobile games, mm-hmm. cash in, get some money, and then, you know. Then maybe make a big one, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. I was like, well, you know, I wish it was successful because then maybe they'd actually make a full-on mm-hmm. new one for consoles, but... I haven't heard a peep or word, so I'm going to guess that it didn't go well or hasn't released yet. Now, my second question, and this one is, I think it would only be a two-parter, not like a 17-parter. All right. Persona 5, what do you think about that being number one? I mean, we both love it, but do you think it will stand the test of time to stay a number one, stay a top ten? What are you thinking about Persona 5 here? This is this is tough. It's tough because this game's awesome. Yeah. It's fantastic in every way, shape, or form it can be fantastic in. I have almost zero flaws with this game, mm-hmm. but it's it's a kind of uh, not a choose-your-own-adventure, but in that sense it is because what you do on a daily basis is up to you. You know, batting cages, fishing, working on your uh, skill points to hang out with a particular individual. Yeah, It always comes down to what you want to do. There's no set story in stone that all of you get to have and do that you can share for the rest of your life together. Like, you can't go to Bob and be like, hey, Bob, remember when Sherpa blew up the world and you had to fly on that saucer space thing, got to here? You know, that was everybody had it. There's nobody who didn't. Mm. It happened the exact same way. Whereas in this game, the big events all happen. But who you like, who you don't like, you know, all those little minute details can be different every time you play through and for everybody who played. Mm-hmm. So I just, like you said, I just wonder if this will stand the test of time because of the small decisions that you got to make. But on the other hand, I'm like, well, that makes it even cooler in a sense because it was your story. You know, you chose what the heck you wanted to do. You chose who you wanted to romance or Mm -hmm. hang out with and get their uh, skill sets, skill points up, their confidant levels, all that good stuff. So on it, I don't, it's just tough. It's and it doesn't help that I haven't finished it yet. Yeah, I'm in I'm in the back end of it, but I haven't finished it yet. So I'm like, well, I don't know. The ending and how this all wraps up also dictates uh, part of my own opinion on it. Mm-hmm. But right now, I can tell you with certainty, I would put it in the top five yeah. of video game RPGs I've ever played. In fact, I'd probably put it in the top five games I've ever played. I'm I'm in that boat. I think I would agree with that. At least top five. If you ask me right now, what my favorite RPG is, it would be Persona Five. Now, as for how it would stand the test of time, I think there's two things it's got going for it that might actually keep it in 
that top five, top one, all the gameplay streamlining functions that it has. If you sit me down with Final Fantasy 2 and you sit me down with Persona 5, I could blow through Persona 5 in a lot less time. It has so many shortcuts and so many, you know you're going to do this, so it just automatically picks it, as opposed to, oh, let me scroll through. I have like 1,800 spells. Let me go, oh, there's Fire 3. I'm going to do it. you got to go over to hit it on everybody, blah, 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 blah. You know, it streamlines the RPG system so well. When I think back on Final Fantasy II, it wasn't a chore to do anything, but I know there are things you could streamline with it that, you know, they couldn't do back then. Persona 5 can do it. Plus, then you also got to think, it's not a big deal, but if you're going to boot up Final Fantasy VII, VIII, or IX, it's going to be all blocky and pixely and chunky and not that pretty to look at. I mean, pretty in a sense, in a nostalgic sense. Mm -hmm. You boot up Persona 5, that's going to look gorgeous now, two years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. Forever. That's going to look amazing. So it's not going to be... I shouldn't say any game is a chore to play through, but there are some of those like early PlayStation games. Wild Arms, for example. That, oh, does, yeah. that does not look good now. That does not look good anymore. I've, no. I've tried to play through it many times because of how good it is, and I always get you know a few hours in, and I'm just like, this, this just looks terrible. It's not appealing mm-hmm. to me visually anymore. <laughs> I'm going to put in Persona 5 in 20 years and go, oh, there's all my friends, all my old friends. They look the exact same as they always did. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think those two are going to keep it way higher than some of the other ones. Because even like Xenogears, I love Xenogears. When I play it, the characters are all pixely, and it just it doesn't have the smooth look that I, quote, fingers remember it having back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, I get you. Persona 5 still has that, you know, it's recent, so that's what we're putting up there because it's fresher in our mind. But I think it's going to have a lot more staying power than people think that it's going to, just because of those two things. I agree. I think overall it's going to end up staying staying on top for quite some time. Mm. The only detractor I would say, if any, from it is that uh, the what ifs. You know, I was originally going to romance Makoto and you know do all that, mm. and ended up going completely different direction. And so there'll always be that little spot in the back of my mind of what if I'd done that? You know, what if, what if I'd gone down that road instead? Dang it! Although I mean, that's another thing that's just going to keep it in your brain, true. As opposed to hey, I played through that game and it was kind of okay, and then. What happened in that? I don't know. I saved the world or something? Eh. Okay, cool. And then cool. this one. What happened in Persona 5? Oh, man. We saved the world and stuff. But, dude, I was going to date Makoto, and I ended up going with Kawakami or this or that or the other thing. I never even touched this guy and uh-huh. hung out with him at all, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I read through his social good. link, and he had all kinds of cool stuff I could have used. Oh, stuff man. I never got, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> So yeah, I thought that was a fun list. Obviously, it's just something people voted on this year. They'll probably have another one next year. I know they've got other lists for, I think, action games, fighting games, and shooters. So if anybody's interested in those, just Google those or hit up Kotaku.com, and you can find out more about that stuff. Number one. So wrap it up this week, we had the San Diego Comic-Con. And now for anybody who doesn't know, this is the Comic-Con. This is the big dog. Everybody and everything you can imagine, video games, comic books, movies, TV, everybody's here. Mm. All the stars, all the wannabe stars, all the online stars, and I wish I could be there, but I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we could talk for days, obviously, on stuff that happened this this last weekend, Mm. previews, trailers, discussions, panels, all that good stuff, but I think we'll just boil it down to two things 
you heard or seen or saw that interests you. And, it, you know, I don't care if it's video game, movie, doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Because we don't have rules here, man. We can do what we want. <laughs> That's true. It could, it could be. <laughs> it's geek related, dang it. <laughs> it could be IG2M. We're talking about movies the whole time. Hey, who knows? That's right. Hey, <laughs> do what we want, man. So I'll start off and I'll say that the X-Files Cold Cases is coming. And mm. it's going to be an audio book, okay? Oh, nice. Yes, and it has the uh, the original cast, and it's gonna take. It's got you know David Duchovny and oh god, cigarette smoking man. It's got Skinner in there. Uh-huh. It's got of course you know, I'm why am I forgetting her name? Jillian Anderson, she, Scully. Jesus Christ, <laughs> <laughs> Everybody you can think of from the old school X Files, mm. they're returning to do voices for this audiobook. Nice. It's gonna be taking place during that sweet period too that everybody's interested in, which is when they were in uh protection program and they're actually married and you know, living as a couple together. Oh nice. And they're gonna be, of course, getting sucked back into the X Files and starting to do stuff they're not supposed to be doing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So I'm interested in this because I grew up with X-Files. I love all the old X-Files. In fact, I even loved the new reboot they just did recently mm-hmm. for that little spin-off. I don't know if they're going to do more of that. I didn't look into that. I, I thought I heard are. that more was coming, but I'm not 100% yeah. sure. I think you're right. I think I heard that more was coming. But this is going to be something to listen to at work. For anybody who doesn't know, we work in an area where I can put headphones in all day long and just listen to whatever the heck I want. This is perfect. And they said it's going to be in the, the tone of like the old school audio shows you could listen to on the radio. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be going back and forth, and, and you're just going to have to fill in all the blanks and use your imagination. And I'm, I'm pretty stoked for it, nice. and I can't wait to get my hands on it. So that was one thing. What about you? This is one we were talking about off-air and I'm slightly disappointed in. Star Trek Discovery coming out in just a couple months here. A CBS All Access show. New Star Trek. I grew up with Star Trek as a kid. Pretty much, you know, all the way up through my teenage life till the shows finally kind of fell off the face of the earth. I'm always excited for new Star Trek. My only beef with it is... A, it's going to be on CBS All Access. I'm not paying 10 bucks a month just to watch some Star Trek. And then B, it's a prequel to the original series, so it's set between Enterprise and the original series. And I wish I wish they would just go into the future because everything's going to look 10 times better now. If you watch the trailer, the CGI looks fantastic. All the sets look really good. So something about it, I mean, I understand what they're doing. Hey, look, it's here. This is the modern technology. This is what shows look like now. But you can't say, hey, this is before the original series and then have stuff that looks freaking amazing. Looks like 100,000 years beyond what the uh, original series could show And then you. in 200 years, it's going to go back to you know a plastic wall and a bunch of buttons with no labels on them. Mm-hmm. But I am excited for it. I know Michelle Yeoh is in it, at least I would assume like for the first episode. It looks like she might be the captain who gets killed and then the young girl takes over. Not 100% sure but she's awesome i've always been a fan of hers like i said the cgi and the set design and the character design all looks really good so i'm excited for it i'm just not sure how i'm gonna watch it maybe they'll have reruns or like after a couple weeks it'll be you'll be able to watch the episodes for free so a little disappointed but also definitely excited for new star trek my last one here is going to be Thor Ragnarok, mm. and the reason behind this is i've talked to you off air about this but uh i didn't really like Thor, and then the second Thor that much. I think they're probably my least favorite of the entire Marvel you know, cinematic universe they've got going right now. Oh, yeah. 100% agree, yeah. But I just saw their next trailer, you know, not the original one with uh, 
Hulk running out and him laughing, and which was a good trailer. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But this this one really just took it in a whole new direction. And then I read a little uh, thing from the panel they did, and apparently the the mood they're going for is going to be much more in the vein of Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And I love Guardians of the Galaxy. That more goofy. We're just having fun doing it, being ridiculous, and yeah. got all sorts of our own personal problems and stupidity going on. Mm. I like that. I think that's a ton of fun. It really makes me dig the characters, and they're taking Thor in that direction. He's going to be more like he is in a lot of his comic lines, where he's just a just a moron most of the time, just right. being goofy as hell, doesn't really care. I mean, he's a god, you know? Mm. So in the end, why does he care? Now, I'm a little worried because in the trailer, they had Hulk talking and interacting and stuff, and mm-hmm. And then I'm like, well, they said they're going to explain it and how how it all comes out and works. But anytime the Hulk's involved, I always get a little like, eh, is this going to go? So that's kind of my worry point for this one. Yeah. But overall, I like where they're going with the more humorous action, yeah. having a good time, fighting the action scenes. And then they also said that you have to watch this one if you want to know what Avengers 3 is about. Uh, okay. So... I'm I'm kind of mad in a way. I'm I like, was going to oh, say, kinda, you kind of put a frown on my face with that yeah, one. Well, it's kind of stingy how they're trying to force you to watch you know, the side movies to get the main pick. Yeah. But at the same time, they've told you for years that this universe is all connected. Yeah. So it's you, it's not like a big surprise anymore that, oh, gee, if you didn't watch Winter Soldier, you're not going to know what the hell's going on with Captain America and Bucky and all that. I would say that's true, but in general, so far it's been, oh, look, here's where the third or fifth Infinity Gem comes from. I don't need to know where it came from. I just need to know that there's an Infinity Gem that's going to go in the gauntlet. Versus this one, if it's super in-depth detailed. But they're also getting more towards the endgame. Yeah, that's true. And they said they're going to be introducing Guardians through Thor, or Thor through Guardians, or whatever it ends up being. But those two are going to be the the two that come together to move forward. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to do that more and more as the movies get more focused into whatever the end game here is. Yeah. Because they are going to wrap it up eventually, or at least this iteration of it. I don't know about that, dude. It's well, going to go on and on forever. Robert Downey Jr. can't keep going. He even says he's trying to find a spot to pull out and be done. And same with Chris Evans. Well, see, I don't know if you know this, but in comic books, comic books stay going for forever you got you got black iron man you got lady iron man you got young hispanic kid iron man you got iron man the pig you can well, keep making this forever I, mean, I know i'm not <laughs> saying that it won't keep going forever but i'm saying that this iteration of characters this a-list will group off. that everyone loves yeah. yeah yeah these guys will all die off or something will happen to them and they retire and of course like yeah, you just said mantle. as it happens yeah Oh, all of a sudden it's now punky, spunky little young Iron Man, and then you and know, then I'll stop, stop watching blah, 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 forever. It's female Thor, and da 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 da. The bottom line is, if you haven't checked this trailer out and you're a fan of the Marvel universe, do yourselves a favor, hop on to YouTube and check it out real quick, because it provided a lot more flair and flavor to what you're going to be getting out of the new Thor coming out here pretty soon. My last one is a really quick one, but it's the one that actually made me open my eyes and go, "Ooh, the." teaser trailer for Pacific Rim Uprising. There's not a lot shown here. I mean, just some CGI of some Jaegers doing some poses and stuff. Not a lot of details on the story or anything, but the closing scene, it says, join the Jaeger Uprising, and it shows seven different ones, starring John Boyega from The Force Awakens. Beautiful CG on the Jaegers. 
Pacific Rim was one of those movies that I instantly fell in love with, and at the same time, I wanted to see more of it. They were like, hey, here's here's what these Jaegers have been doing all over the world. Here's like the kaiju kill counts on these Jaegers. And I was like, damn, I want to see those Jaegers doing more stuff. I don't know if it's going to be a sequel or a prequel or just something more in that universe. So I'm excited for it. I really loved the original Pacific Rim. It was a well encapsulated single story but they did that one so well that i have a lot of faith that this one's going to be good too i want more pacific room as well and i did see that trailer mm. and i'm i'm excited but the only thing that's got me worried is it almost seems like they're going to be focusing more on the pilots of the jaegers yeah and like their competition with one another mm. and i just want to see more jaegers yeah kicking butt and taking names well see it makes me wonder because they didn't show any kaiju just says join the Jaeger uprising. So I'm wondering if exactly. if a bunch of Jaeger pilots go rogue now that, you know, there's nothing to do, but I'm the pilot of this badass Jaeger, what am I going to do? Well, I can just take over this whole land over here cuz who's going to stop me? I'm a giant freaking Jaeger. Only another Jaeger. Uh-huh. And then they of course these Jaegers take over, help whatever factions and then they mm. all go to war with one another. That would be acceptable. Yeah, it sounds pretty cool. I'm imagining that starting and then, oh look, giant kaijus are back. Oh, let's all team up be a cool team, which, I mean, still is cool because you got mm-hmm. Jaeger on Jaeger, Jaeger on military, Jaeger on Kaiju. I just want more giant robots cool. punching more stuff. That's what All I right, want. You that's got what, that's yes. what I'm hoping for. <laughs> Pacific Rim 2, boom. Check out that trailer if you guys haven't because yep. Matt says it's amazing. I mean, the trailer's okay. <laughs> I was going to say, the trailer definitely wasn't amazing, but the <laughs> Extrapolating it out of my brain what it could be <laughs> is going to be amazing. Uh, exactly. So yeah, just a little teaser, but I'm hyped. I'm excited now. So if you guys got anything you thought was amazing at Comic-Con or anything else we discussed here, hey, send us your comments, your feedback, all that good stuff. We want to hear it. Maybe we'll talk about it a little bit on a future episode. Other than that, it's time to wrap it up. Imposters wrap up. So if you guys saw anything else at Comic-Con you thought was pretty cool, you want to talk to us about, maybe you got some Metal Gear memories you want to send my way. Maybe you got some thoughts on what the top RPG of all time is. You can send all that to us via email at info at thirdshift.me. You can tweet at us at thirdshiftme, and you can find us on Facebook under Third Shift. We do have a Patreon set up. As I always say, it's set up like a tip jar. If you like what you heard, like what we're doing, hey, feel free to head over there, throw in a buck, throw in 50 cents, five bucks, anything helps. It's most appreciated. If you can't do that, because you know what money's money hey that's fine too we put these episodes out regardless and if you got questions you got answers you got comments we love that kind of stuff too human interaction listener interaction feeds us just as much as a dollar bill can of course this podcast drops every two weeks on tuesday so we'll be back in your ear holes on the 8th of august for our very next episode you can find those episodes on itunes on stitcher and on podbean and if you like what we do please give us a rating a review a comment any kind of good thing on any kind of those good services because it helps us out and we really do appreciate it makes us feel good about ourselves okay it's very important (laughs) no we do appreciate it head on over there give us five stars even if you don't listen on that particular service hey throw five stars on that one anyway and go keep on listening wherever it is you're listening absolutely and with that man you ain't got anything else i just got one thing huh don't Don't forget forget to say. say